0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Mommy, Daddy, I can't sleep. It's a statement that gets expressed about 10 minutes after bedtime from time to time in our home uh, by the toddler in our home. Usually the fix to the situation is a loving hug, a tight tuck back into bed, and, and sometimes a song. But sometimes that statement gets repeated again, that cycle takes place again, And sometimes it takes place again and again and again. That's why the other day, my wife had a brilliant idea. She let our toddler choose a stuffed animal that he could take with him back to bed. And it was adorable to watch him pick out his Winnie the Pooh bear to take with him. Our hearts melted as he tucked in old Pooh bear just like his mom and dad tuck him in. And of course, we were thrilled when it worked and he stayed in bed and went back to sleep. How about you? You have a teddy bear, a blanket, or a favorite toy that you can remember when you were little, taking with you to bed. Something that you had with you that was a source of comfort. Watching our son bring Winnie the Pooh with them, it it gave a moment for my wife and I to take a trip down memory lane and we talked about her blanket and my blanket and and how we picked this one and how they stuck with us. What about you? Do you have a blanket, stuffed animal, maybe a favorite toy, something that comforted you? I think many and maybe even most or all of us have, have had something like that. It makes sense. People need comfort. From the infant who clings on to his mother's hands to the elderly person who clings on to the hands of their spouse as they're dying. From entering in the world to departing this world, from beginning to end, and especially the beginning and end, it proves that essentially and simply people need comfort. But so do you. So do you who are somewhere in between your beginning and somewhere in between your end. People need comfort. That's one reason why this section of God's word, Isaiah chapter 40, is so beautiful. You could look at this section, 11 verses of poetic prophecy and see it as a summary of the Advent season you see it really as a summary of the entire message of scripture and the entire mission of the church but it's all summarized in this one word comfort comfort really what is comfort comfort is somewhat suspect and and maybe even a little ambiguous I mean, even for Christians who, who comfort one another, we can doubt the very real need that we have comfort, and we can even doubt that we have comfort. It's because we, we toss around comfort that, that often really isn't comfort. It, it maybe is just pious-sounding platitudes. In, in fact, we have a name for that kind of comfort, a phrase, a phrase for fake comfort that, that well-meaning people give as comfort, but but really isn't comfort at all. It's called cold comfort. It's statements like, oh, chin up, it'll get better. And, and hold on, I, I bet God's got good that he's gonna bring from this. Or maybe hang in there. There's brighter days ahead. Is that comfort? So what is comfort? And what comforts You. It's poetic, it's artistic. It's 11 verses that that are brought to us in four stanzas or four verses of poetic poetry. Isaiah chapter 40 has a potent message that powerfully progresses verse by verse, four stanza by four stanzas. And so we're gonna look at them in that way. One stanza at a time, we're gonna see a message, a message that God has for his people, a message of real comfort of true comfort, a message of glad tidings of comfort and joy that is from God for you and for you to tell others as well. Would you join me as we look at Isaiah chapter 40? This is how the prophet starts in verse one. God speaking through his prophet says this, "'Comfort, comfort my people,' says your God." Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her warfare is ended, that her sins have been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, comfort, my people. You can hear your father, the God of grace, reaching out to you, embracing you in his loving arms, speaking to you like a friend. Comfort comfort. You can hear your God desperately, passionately, earnestly wanting to give comfort to you, his people, because he knows you need it. Let me give you a little context for this set of verses before we go any further. Isaiah chapter 40 is a turning point in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was called to speak as a prophet to God's people in Israel. And at this time in Israel, specifically the nation of Judah, was enjoying good times. They were enjoying prosperity. They had figured out how to make money and they were exponentially making more and more money. They had security militaristically. They had security on all sides. They made an alliance with the superpowers of the day and so they were good. Most people in Judah had nice homes. They had nice fields. They had nice lives. They were secure. They were comfortable, but all of it was about to crumble. And that is what Isaiah was telling the people he was called to preach to. Go read the first 39 chapters of this book. He gets a vision from God about what is about to happen to their people. In 75 years, they're going to be carried off to Babylonian captivity, And so he prophesies this. He predicts it long before it's even gonna happen. He tells them that your soldiers, they're gonna be laid out in fields. Your quaint and quiet towns will be crushed. Your proud cities, your profound temple, it'll be raised, flattened. Your families will be separated. You'll be taken 700 miles away to Babylon. You, God's people, you'll seemingly be without hope. You'll seemingly be without any comfort. And if anything, Isaiah chapter one through 39, and starting with verse chapter 40, highlights the amazingness of God's grace. Because you see, Isaiah and God don't just predict and, and forewarn the people about the destruction, the consequence for their sin. But here God reminds them, gives them comfort that is going to be theirs during this captivity and ever after that as well. God speaks to them, to their hearts, words of comfort. Where it says in English, speak tenderly to my people, the Hebrew is literally speak to their hearts. And that's what God does. Because oftentimes when your heart aches or your heart breaks or your heart condemns you and accuses you, You don't need another logical argument to your ears and brain. You need a message that goes straight to your heart. And that's what God does. This is what God says. He says to his people, proclaim to my people that her warfare is ended. He's not talking about the warfare that is going to yet occur with the Babylonians. No, he's talking about the warfare between God and his people, his people being done, leaving his side, being done, leaving his ways. The hostility, it's done, God says, because I have ended it. This is the comfort that God gives his people. Their warfare is ended. God goes on, he says, proclaim to my people that her sins have been paid for. Think about that. All your debts, the greatest debt that you have to the eternal God for all the wrong, all the sins that you've ever committed has added up and put you in debtor's prison. It has put you on the place of deserving hell. But now, before all of this, before they suffer the consequences, even for their sins, God's telling them the sins have been paid for. It's finished. It's done. I've given my son for you. It's done. This is the comfort that you have. God says to his people, proclaim to my people that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Hear it very clearly. God says, you sinned and I'm gonna pay you back. But not how you think. I'm gonna pay you back double for all your sins. All your sins of of worrying about the future. All your sins of taking things into your own hands and not trusting me. Doesn't add up. But for all of your sins, I'm giving you forgiveness times two. For all of your ugliness, I'm giving you my faithfulness times two. For all of your guilt, I'm giving you innocence times two. I'm paying you back double for all of your sins. Now, think about that mysterious mathematical equation. That is God's grace to you, that is God's comfort to you, that is God's tidings of great joy to you. That's the message he wants to speak tenderly to you, like a friend to you. So why don't you live with that comfort? Think back on your last month, last week, and maybe even yesterday. Why the unhappiness? Why the fear? Stress, the anxiety? Why? Why was God's glad tidings of comfort and joy not ringing in your ears and ringing in your hearts when you needed it most? Isaiah continues. This is what Isaiah says in chapter 40, verses three and five. God speaking through Isaiah says this, a voice of one calling in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Why don't you see it? Experience it. God's comfort, his glad tidings of great joy that he tells to you, ringing in your ears, ringing in your hearts when you need it most. You know, you've seen it. People look for comfort in all sorts of places when life gets difficult, upsetting, or frustrating. You've seen people you know and people that you love look for comfort in their work. Look for comfort and security in the places they live. Look for comfort and security in their family, maybe even their entertainment. They think, if I just get this, then I'll be secure. Then I'll have comfort. But you know, since the day that you've been baptized, God has set out a different Path for you. He's put you on a different way where you know that the comfort that you have is a rock-solid, unchanging, unending comfort that you have in Jesus Christ, right? You know this. And yet, why is there times where you feel like the comfort isn't there? Isaiah goes on and says, the God tidings that God gives comfort, the joy, the way for the Lord, the highway for the Lord, the way for the Lord and his comfort to come to your heart and to your lives, it's blocked. It's blocked by you. When Isaiah talks about the valleys and the mountains, when he talks about the rough and rugged highway desert. He's given you a word picture for the disposition of your heart. The lack of care and really the lack of concern that you have for his word. Your self-righteousness. Your security in things that aren't him. He's saying, get these things out, get them out, make straight, make clear the way for me to come to you. And Isaiah is not finished. He goes on even more in verses six and seven. A voice cries out, literally a voice says, preach. And Isaiah the prophet said, what shall I say? The Lord answers, all people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Mine was a blanket. I asked you to think about maybe what you had as a stuffed animal or a, or a comfort blanket, security blanket growing up. You remember what you had? Mine was a blanket that was checkered blue and green and yellow and orange, kind of soft pastel colors. And it, and it had like little florally edges, strings going out all around the outside. I, I still remember playing with them. Imagine for a moment if I still carried that blanket with me. I, a husband, a father of two, your friend, your pastor, walked around with that blanket over my arm and maybe sometimes my, my thumb in my mouth. If that was me, you'd be pretty concerned. You'd say, uh, Matt, help me understand what's going on here. I, I see you have a blanket with you. I'm a little concerned. You know it's a blanket, right? It, it can't really keep you safe. It, It's not really giving you any comfort. It's an inanimate object. Can you picture that? As nicely as possible and with genuine care and concern and hopefully without making too much fun of me, if that was me, you would stop me. You'd talk to me about that. You'd say, what's going on here? That's what Isaiah is saying to us. What blankets are you holding on to? We all got them. Just because I can't see yours and and you can't see mine, people are still carrying around security blankets, comfort that isn't God. God compares it to flowers of the field, grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. He says, these flowers, this grass, it represents you, all your capabilities and abilities, all of your drive, determinations, your goals and intentions. They're nothing. But you're wrapped up in them. The flowers, the grass, these represent your virtues that you're so proud of. For some of you, your moral purity, for others, your social wokeness. It's not real strength. It's not real security. God uses grass and flowers which withers and dies to say that all of your self-salvation projects, which you conveniently call just... You, trying to be a better person, this is not your sense and source of strength and comfort and joy. There is more. There's something else. And yet we bow down to it. We bow down to the things that we do, the achievements that we have, the things that we've amassed relationally, intellectually, financially. And all along, we don't realize it. We're cutting ourselves off. We're cutting ourselves off from the source of life, the source of true comfort and true strength that we have. In the same way that you might pity me if I walked around as an adult with a security blanket, we're all to be pitied, you and me, because all people were like grass. There's one thing that doesn't shrivel. There's one thing that doesn't die, that, that doesn't wilt and doesn't wither. In fact, there's one thing that doesn't fade or fall and it doesn't allow you to fall or fail either. There's one thing that keeps you alive and doesn't allow you to wilt or wither. And this is how Isaiah goes on to say, the grass withers and the fall, flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Look, my friends, this is not just some separate, isolated word that keeps on going. This word is the promise. This word he's talking about is the promise given to Adam and Eve, the promise repeated again and again to Old Testament fathers and their sons and daughters. This is the promise that is given that we call the good news, the gospel that is repeated and completed page and page again and again from Genesis to Revelation, It's the good news of comfort and joy that a baby born in Bethlehem is your savior. He's taken away all your sins. He's paid the debt. He's given you double, double grace, double forgiveness for all your sins. This is glad tidings of comfort and joy. This is glad tidings that's told from God to you. This is what it's all about. Isaiah foretold it. John the Baptist lived it. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for your God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. Why all this talk about roads and paths? Well, it's because God wants to come. He wants to come to you. And so he uses a picture. He uses a poetic picture that took people back to times when kings would travel to towns and they'd send ambassadors ahead of the king that would do more than announce his coming. They would tell the people, get ready, prepare the way, the path, the highway for him. There's a mountain, bring it down. There's rough roads, make it smooth so the king can come to you. And you already know, you already know the path, the way, the highway that God wants to take. It's not some rough desert road. It's not any map that you can open up and road that you can locate. God wants to take a highway, a road, a path into your heart and into your lives. And I'm telling you, there's one thing that is a highway paver, excavator, an asphalt layer. There is one thing that is a valley raiser, mountain destroyer. It's the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord that endures forever. It's the word of the Lord that comes into your light and obliterates any obstacle that you put there and allows the baby born in Bethlehem to come into your thinking, to come into your doing, to come into your believing. It's the word of the Lord that casts out sin, destroys any obstacle, any barrier that is between you and God. Cast out sin and, and let Christ enter in. That's what the word of the Lord does. The season of Advent is summarized in this message Get ready, prepare the way for the Lord. And it's during this season really every season of life that all of us have some road building and highway smoothing to do Isaiah's message John the Baptist's message it's our message to one another this morning Hear the word of your Lord read the Bible Gather together with other Christians at 8 p.m. on Tuesday nights on Zoom and talk about what the word of the Lord says. Listen to your pastor as he talks to other pastors about it when he sends you a podcast at noon on Wednesdays. And if these resources aren't really the things that you enjoy looking and doing for spending time in God's word, talk to me. Talk to me, and I can point you to other devotionals, other resources that you can have that you can dive into and and hear the wonderful comfort, the glad tidings of comfort that your God gives to you, the message that your God wants to come into your heart and to your lives to give you more comfort, more joy. Forgiveness times two for all your sins. His faithfulness times two for all your unfaithfulness. He's coming to you, not to condemn you, but to speak tenderly to you as a friend. That is the glad tidings of comfort that your God tells to you. You get to tell to others (laughs) because how can you keep that to yourself? Isaiah wraps up this section in this way. He says in verse nine, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young." Your Lord is not shy about his comfort and there is no place for you to be shy about it either. Be strong, be bold, do not be afraid. Here's your God. He gives you glad tidings of comfort and joy. And he says, share them with people. Your God comes to you. He comes to you like a mighty warrior who is victorious in battle and has a reward with him and he makes it your reward but he's not just a mighty warrior. He's a good shepherd who cares for you, gathers you to him, leads you beside still waters. Make sure that there's nothing that you'll ever want. The Lord is your shepherd. This is the good news. This is the glad tidings that you know, the comfort that you have. There's no cold comfort for you, but there is warmth. There is your Father speaking tenderly to you. Can I tell you one more story about blankets? Actually, you'll get to watch it. Next Sunday at 7.30 p.m. on PBS. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) You probably heard the story You probably watched the movie before, so I'm hoping there's no spoiler alerts this morning. But there's a part in the movie that, that always gets me. It's with Charlie Brown's soft spoken friend, Linus, who stops speaking softly. You remember the scene, right? There's Charlie Brown. He's, he's trying to direct the Christmas pageant and everyone's going about doing their own things. And Charlie Brown, of course, can't keep it all together. There's Linus with his blanket, a man who kind of understands comfort, who knows what he wants. He's got his blanket, he's got his thumb, but he drops the blanket. It's the only time he drops the blanket and he points to the real comfort. This is what he says. And there were in the same country, shepherds standing in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Linus turns to his friend. He says, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And my friends This is what Christmas is all about. This is what Advent is all about. There are great tidings of great joy. It's for you. A Savior's been born. This is what your life is all about. This is what our capital campaign is all about. This is what this church is all about. Going up high on a mountain, standing up loud, boldly, and unafraid, shouting, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. This is comfort. This is glad tidings. It's for all people. Voice comes through the prophets, it comes through the apostles, it comes from pastors, and it comes from you as well. There are glad tidings of great comfort. Your God's paid for all your sins. Better than a teddy bear who's sometimes there, your God is always there for you. Better than a blanket that covers over you, Christ's blood covers over all your sins. Better than the strong and loving touch of a parent is from the hand of the Lord, you receiving double, double forgiveness, double joy, double comfort a voice calling you to prepare for your coming king. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. Amen.